This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg. And a good Saturday morning to you and yours. It is Crash the Net. I am Dave Rothenberg, and this is 98.7 ESPN. So what do we have coming up today? Of course, like we always do, we'll look at the week that was. And then Dan Rosen, NHL.com on the Islanders and the Rangers will join us. Devils as well uh, to break down where the three locals are. And then a a treat. Kenny Albert, voice of the Rangers here on 98.7 uh, will join me, and we're not going to get into the X's and the O's of hockey, more into the career uh, and what he's done during the course of his career with Kenny Albert. So that's at about 7.30-ish this morning. Uh, we have a we have an Instagram set up. We have a Twitter set up, but I want to bring in my producer, uh, Anthony Pusick, uh, you know him from the Michael K. Show, a burgeoning star here at 98.7. Uh, good morning, Anthony. How are you? What's going on, Dave? Good morning. Good morning. Um, so why are we so hashtag centric? L- let me let me tell everyone where we are as far as the, the Twitter and the Instagram. And then, I, and then my question would go to you. So it's crashed the net underscore 98.7. That's correct. Cr- crashed the net underscore 98.7. That's the Twitter. Instagram crashed the net underscore radio. You, yes. you adore the underscore, don't you? Oh, it's very it's very important here. As you know, ESPN New York 98 underscore 7 FM. That's the Twitter handle that we have for the station. So I figured let's let's keep the complication going gotcha. and just and add to that. Now, of course, we'll have tweets from both the 98.7 account and the Crash the Net account. Uh, but to follow all the happenings of this show, um, you should follow Crash the Net underscore 98.7 on Twitter, Crash the Net underscore radio on Instagram. The link to your uh, podcast page is up there. Uh, so you can wa- listen to episodes one, two, and three, and four will be up at the end of the show. All right. So if you could somehow find us on Twitter, it's net underscore 98.7. Now, I'm going to give him mood, Anthony, and I, I'd like to do something nice for the people. Why not? What do you think? What do you think? And, I, and you're the producer of the show, so I don't want to do anything without your, your agreement here. What do you think about maybe a little, uh, little giveaway here early on uh, in the show? You know what? Let's do it. We've had a great like audience so far for the first three episodes. I think I think they deserve uh, some swag. Here, here's what I would like to do. I would like if you follow us, and you think we should do one on, on Instagram and one on Twitter, both on Twitter, you tell me. What's the right way to go about it? Let's do one on Instagram, one on Twitter. All right. If you follow us between now and the end of the show, on Twitter, CrashTheNet underscore 98.7, on Instagram, crash the net underscore radio, we will give away a prize to each one, an Islanders signed puck by a player. That's a pretty nice giveaway. So follow us on crash the net underscore 987 on Twitter, crash the net underscore uh, radio on Instagram. All right. The week that was, I've told you, Dan Rosen going to join us in a couple minutes. Kenny Albert after that. The week that was in the NHL. Well, the Rangers have been playing some really good hockey, and that's with interim head coach Chris Knobloch behind the bench. So uh, last Saturday, a week ago from today, Saturday, March the 20th, Rangers are in Washington. Uh, Buchnevich gives the Rangers a, a one nothing lead in the first period, and then John Carlson ties it uh, in the third. This was right after they lost that really tough game on Friday night when they allowed two goals in the final couple of minutes to Ovechkin and the Caps, and they didn't get any points out of that one. So now you think to yourself, oh God, here we are. It's 1-1, late third period. Mika Zabinijad, who has been red hot, and we'll get into that in a couple minutes as well, uh, scores a goal, a beauty, late in the third, makes it 2-1. Brett Howden with an empty netter. Rangers win it 3-1, ends a seven-game win streak from the Washington Capitals. Then on Monday, Rangers 
Sabres home to Buffalo. They take a 3-1 lead. You think it's the Sabres. They're horrendous. This game is over. 3-1 lead um, in the second with goals from Kako, Kreider, and Fox. And then Buffalo pours home two in the third. And all of a sudden, this is the game. But Kreider scores his second of the game, 16th of the year. We call it the game-winning goal in the sport. And the Rangers win it 5-3. to three. Kako adds one late. Uh, his second of the game, 5-3, your final in that one. And then on Thursday, a couple days ago now, I mean, Rangers just pour it all over Philadelphia again. The game really, for all intents and purposes, was over early. Strom, Buchnevich, Mika, all in the first, then Mika again in the second, then Mika again in the second. We call that a natural hat trick. Then Keandre Miller. Rangers took a 6 nothing lead. Late goals from Buchnevich and Hedl. Rangers walk away with an 8-3 win. And just to make matters even better, Shesterkin returns, stopping 41 of 44 shots. So the Rangers have had a terrific, terrific week. But their head coach, Chris Knobloch, who's in for Quinn, who's out because of COVID protocols, not taking credit for the team playing well right now. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the experience. I like being here. It's been a lot of fun. I'm learning some stuff, but taking pride. No, it's I'm here. I call out the lines. I very little work I'm doing. The coaching staff really ultimately sets the game plan and has put the systems in place for the players to succeed. Right now, I'm just delaying relaying that message uh, for a few games. But like I said, I, I'm enjoying it, but take responsibility of it. Um, absolutely very little of it. No, he's relaying the message very, very well. And he's relaying the message from David Quinn beautifully. That is uh, interim Rangers head coach Chris Knobloch. Now, Mika Zibanejad, who had another six-point game on Thursday of this week, another natural hat trick, was asked, how good does it feel to be playing this well right now? The puck seems to go in right now, obviously, and it's nice to be able to contribute offensively for the team, especially since the start and, and the, the first part of the season. But it's obviously a great feeling when you win and you can contribute He has been, I mean, nothing short of sensational um, for the Rangers over the last couple of weeks. All right, so that's the Rangers. Been playing really, really well, and we'll get to what they have coming up a little bit later in the show. The Islanders hosted Philly last Saturday, and this game was over as well. Philadelphia playing horrendous hockey. Islanders had a 4-0 lead less than 16 minutes into the first. Goals by Pajot, Eberle, and Two from Sezikis, Bovillier and Bailey add goals in the third. 6-1 is your final in that one. Sorokin gets the win as he stops 23 of 24. Then Monday in Philadelphia, uh, Islanders fell behind 1-0 in the second, tied the game at 1 in the third as Oliver Wallstrom nets his eighth uh, in overtime. It was Anthony Bovillier, and that's going to be a theme here for the game-winning goal in overtime. And the Islanders had a couple days off. And then Thursday in Boston, they fall behind again, 2-0 this time to the Bruins in the first, but it made no difference. Pajot cut the lead in half in the second. Uh, Bailey and Wallstrom tallied goals in the third to give the Islanders a 3-2 lead. Philly did tie it at three. And then again, Anthony Beauvillier scores in overtime. Islanders win it by the score of 4-3. to three. We'll get into the Devils. A little bit later during the course of the show, look at what they've done and look at the week ahead. But just for time constraints, we don't really have time to get into the Devils right now. At the moment, want to talk to Dan Rosen and Kenny Albert as well. So you know how you can win the prize. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. CrashTheNet underscore 98.7. On Instagram, it's CrashTheNet underscore radio. Two Islanders signed pucks by players coming your way if you follow us on either of those 
platforms. Quick break, come back. Dan Rosen on the Islanders, the Rangers, and we'll get some Devils talk in as well. It's Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning. It's Crash the Net right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. Well, it is Crash the Net. It is a Saturday morning, and we are talking hockey here on 98.7 ESPN. So our first guest is a great hockey writer for NHL.com and a really good, surprisingly good, I don't think there's any insult in that, third baseman in softball. He is Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Surprisingly good works, I think. I'm very well, Dave. How are you? Uh, Surprisingly good works. I think, you know, I I like that. You know why? Because it still has the word good in it. I think you're good. You're a good softball player. Here's how I I would take it, and and it's not meant to be disrespectful, although you might take it like that. Here, 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 let me tell you. So I, I look at you because I'm yeah. I'm moderately athletic, like not not very, but like moderately. And I think people look at me like, oh, he's not much of an athlete. In, in looking at you, I'm like, oh, he's not going to be a good softball player. And then watching you play, very impressed at the skills that you have. So I, <laughs> I I think you should wear it as a badge of honor. You know what it comes down to? I went for five years to the little league baseball camp in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, when I was ten to fifteen. Learned a ton. Played on the Little League World Series field, even cranked one out of there at one point, too, and my uh, ability to hit a long ball was, was still around. And, you know, it doesn't go away. Like riding a bike, sometimes you can get on the field and, you know, you pick some grounders off. And it helps to have, by the way, a good shortstop when Ricky Pietro is playing there, even though it's weird to have a lefty shortstop, but it's uh-huh. nice. Well, um, I'm sure it is. Uh, and I look forward to the days when we can get back out onto the softball yeah. field and, and be doing fun stuff like that. So hockey is back full force, right? And away we go. Before we get into the locals, I, I want to I play this for you, and I want to react off of it. This is the uh, official from the NHL, former official, I guess you can say now, Tim Peel, hot mic the other night, and this is a big story. Go ahead. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the I mean, that is, uh, you talk about incriminating audio, Dan, that is as bad as it gets from Tim Peel. Yeah, no, that wasn't good. And, and in fact, the other night, too, Eric Furlat, uh, uh, an official, covered his mouth in a conversation I believe he was having with Wayne Simmons. And that's not a good look either. You know, I mean, he's covered the mic, basically. So, look, uh, there was swift action here from the NHL. They heard it. They didn't like it. Uh, Colin Campbell comes out and he says, you know, talks about the integrity of the game and it. What Tim Peel did is in direct contradiction to that, you know, integrity of the game. And and look, I mean, if this is any sport, you're looking at it and going, what's the most important thing for an official, right? The most important thing for an official is to be fair, to be reasonable, and you know, and and to to be down the middle. And and if he's basically saying, I want to get a penalty to Nashville early in the game, that's not fair and down the middle. So swift action taken by the NHL. He's not working another game. Peel's had a long career. I mean, this guy's been a ref for. 22 years, I think. He's wrestled over 1,300 games. And I heard that there was some talk that he might be retiring at the end of the season, so maybe that makes it, you know, somebody says, well, that makes it a little easier on, on the NHL to do it. But it also can make it a little harder on the NHL because, you know, this guy's been a ref for a long time in the league, and you want to see him go out with some dignity. And, and right now, with that, you know, obviously that's not the case anymore. So swift action, but... I, I, I've heard some players around the league talking about this, Dave, and 
a lot of them are saying, we don't hear that a lot from officials and things along those lines, you know, and you hope because we're not on the ice. We don't exactly know what they're saying, but the guys who play the game, all they want them to do is call it fair. I've talked to a number of players about this over the years and all they want is fairness on the ice and they'll take care of the rest. But wouldn't you say, Dan, that this kind of thing happens, you know, may, maybe not to the point where you hear audio of it. But in, in sports, yeah. if a call is missed, oftentimes you'll hear, oh, that was that was a makeup call. So is this just the fact mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's on a hot microphone or is this the fact that this happens at all? Well, I think we'd be naive to think it doesn't happen, right? I mean, these guys, are, this is a human element to this game. And a guy knows he misses a call, he's he's feeling it. You know, the referees look for perfection too. And if they know that they're missing a call, then I, I would imagine that there's some human element involved in the mind that says, well, I got to make up for that in some capacity or some way. Um, you know, some are more obvious than others. You can say, certainly, um, you know, you almost say like, you know, when a guy in the NHL, I hear it a lot when a team's got three power play chances already in the game and say it's midway through the the second period and the other team has none, you're like, well, the other team's going to get the, power, the next power play. That's coming, right? And it happens. But, uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think we'd be naive to think that this isn't something that's talked about, you know, on the ice and that this was caught on a hot mic, so it does look bad. But this was bad because he said, I wanted to get them a penalty early in the game. It wasn't, I wanted to make up for my mm-hmm. mistake. I wanted to get them a penalty early in the game. Why? Why did you want to get them a penalty early in the game? That's the question. And I don't know the answer. Yeah, it's a a good point. Dan Rosen, NHL.com, joining us here on Crash the Net Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. So let me ask you about the the Rangers head coach right now, Chris Knobloch. I mean, is it purely coincidental that Quinney has, um, you know, been out and that the Rangers are playing such good hockey and, and Knobloch is the head coach? Yeah, no, they, I, look, I mean, if you talk to Chris Knobloch, he's going to throw all the credit to David Quinn and the staff because Quinn's been in touch with the, with Chris Knobloch every day, multiple times a day, setting the game plan, setting the systems. And, and Knobloch is right. He's the guy on the bench. He's got to have a feel for the bench. So he's doing a terrific job. You've got to give him a lot of credit. He's doing a terrific job because he's the one that's there to have a feel of how to roll the lines, who to go out, what matchups are working, what matchups they like and whatnot. So, I give him a ton of credit for how he's handled this, but I think the biggest part of the Rangers' success of late, and I throw Mika's advantage at before they played the Flyers and won that game nine nothing. You know, he was shooting three point six percent. He had like three goals on seventy six shots. Since then, he barely misses the net. Right? I mean, since then, it's like seems like everything's going in. It's a market correction for Mika's advantage at. Last year, he shot about nineteen twenty percent and scored 41 goals. That was high. He's usually around 12%. This year, he was at three. He needed a market. You, you knew it was coming. The chances he was getting was good. They, they were good chances. He was skating well. The puck wasn't going in. The puck's going in now. Helps when you're playing a team that can't play defense in the Flyers, and then you got a game against the Sabres mixed in there, too, and they can't win. That also helps. But the puck is just going in. His one-timer's going in. It's finding a way now where it wasn't early in the year. And once it starts finding a way for a guy like Mika who drives the Rangers offense in so many ways, it finds its way for everybody. Everybody else feels a little bit better. And the other thing is Artemi Panarin, who missed 12 games, I think it was, he worked his way back in now. He looks great. They have two lines that are rolling. And uh, you want to get a third line rolling, but that's a big thing about it is the players and what they're doing. But I think you've got to give Chris Knobloch a lot of credit because he's, he's had a really good feel for it. 
Yeah, he, he's done a great job in the couple of games that he's been the uh, head coach of the Rangers. Um, they're right there, Dan, as far as the playoffs are concerned. Do you look at the Rangers as a team that has, I mean, do you, I guess let me ask you this. Do you expect the Rangers to go to the postseason or that you think they, they just miss out here and can't get into that fourth spot? You know what, I, I, I've thought that they would be in the sixth spot all year. Uh, because I believed a lot more in the Flyers than I've seen right now, and and the Flyers are are really. I mean, you see that the Rangers have been able to. Oh, they're, they're lost. Um, I mean, the Rangers probably yeah, think about the Flyers every lost. single game right now. Yeah, yeah. It, like even a team like Buffalo is licking their chops to play the Flyers at this point, and Buffalo can't win. You know, um, so it's just at that point. Uh, but I don't know because I look at it and say it really comes down to Boston, and until the Bruins are gonna be a team that we see fall off until we actually see it happen. I don't believe that they will. They have also, they have a bunch of games in hand against the Rangers on the Rangers too. They're very good. They're talented and deep veteran savvy. And yeah, they have a lot of games left to play in a short amount of time, but if they are the Bruins of what we expect them to be, I don't see how the Rangers get into the playoffs because to me, they're not knocking off Pittsburgh. They're not knocking off Washington and they're certainly not knocking off the Islanders. So it's got to be Boston. And to me, that's the worst team to be chasing because they're a veteran team that knows how to win when the chips are down. And that's exactly what they're going to have here in the second half of the season. Do you expect the Rangers to be involved in the trade deadline at all? Uh, Making a deal either to try to make this team better to kind of mortgage some things and and, uh, build for the future? I don't. I don't think they're going to be heavily involved. It's going to be a weird trade deadline uh, because of quarantine issues and whatnot and, and, and everything. But I, I, the Rangers are, you know, the youngest team in the league. I think their average age, at least the start of the year, was around 25 years old. They have a lot of guys that they're trying to, you know, work in. Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl, Miller, you know. Uh, they're not moving any of those guys. You're not moving Panarin. You're not moving Strom, they have great chemistry. You're not moving Crowder. You're not moving Zibanejad or Bushnevitz or anybody like that. So, And they have a fourth line that, you know, with guys like Rooney and, and Lemieux and Blackwood and, you know, Howden when he comes back, you know, if he's back from COVID and all that, that you would look at and say, well, we need to go out and get one of those guys to kind of fill out our depth. But they have those guys. So to me, the Rangers are in a position right now where, again, this season, if they get in, it's great. If they don't, it's okay because they're still building. To me, it's next season for the Rangers. It's right. the third it's, year of Kako, the second year of Lafreniere, and, and, and then you still have all the top guys going too. Now, one more on the Rangers, and we'll kind of keep it with the goaltender for the Rangers and then switch to the Islanders there as well. Um, Shesterkin, uh, we thought it could be a devastating injury. He's now back with the team. What, what's your take on him? I mean, he's played for the majority of the season. I think he kind of was was breaking through as the number one goalie. Are, are you pleased with what he's been? Is it a work in progress? What's your take on Chesterkin so far? I, I think it was a work in progress early in the season. There was some struggles there. Um, and I do wonder how he handled not knowing if he was the number one or not at that point because everybody coming into the season said, well, this guy's going to be the number one. He's the replacement for Lundqvist. He starts opening night. And he gives up four and they lose and they don't play well at all. And then the next game, Georgiev comes in and they dominate the Islanders and he plays. And, and you know, so I, I think there was a little bit of issues there for Igor in terms of, you know, really, you know, his role. Because he's, everywhere he's gone, he's been the number one. And now he had to kind of work for it. But we've seen him work for it. I think he's back. I think he is the number one. I think he's the best goalie on the team, no question about it. 
And I think you ride him now here in the second half. I understand they want to get Georgiev some playing time. Um, and Kincaid was really good, but now he's back on the taxi squad. But I think you've got to ride Igor here uh, to to see if you can get in the playoffs because he's your best option. He's your best goalie. It doesn't mean playing every game, but you got to play him the majority of the games down the stretch here in the second half. And, and he's good. I think he's, a few, I think he's a legit number one NHL goaltender, and he's proven that in the last, you know, he just came back from injury, but before the injury, he was proving that. All right, so we, we speak about the young Russian goalie for the Rangers. Let's talk about the young Russian goalie for the Islanders, and that's Sorokin. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he's kind of you know moving in on, on taking the starting role in that job with the Isles. It's a great spot for the Islanders to be in, right? I mean, they've got two guys who they can rely on, and, and the one guy in Sorokin you know, probably has a great relationship with the other guy in Varlamov. They can speak the language. Uh, really probably helps him get, you know, getting acclimated to everything here. He's acclimated now. He's playing well. But, you know, Varlamov is a guy who in his history hasn't been a 65-game starter either, you know, in a regular season. He's, he's split time at times as well, too. So he's accustomed to this. He's used to it. And Sorokin looks pretty good, looks really good right now. So, you know, you, you, if you're Barry Trotz, you can't make a wrong decision. The only, I guess, wrong decision would be is if you don't ride the guy if he's really hot, and I think you just gotta, you know, play it out each time. But the other thing too is, with the Islanders, is these two guys—they're good, but they benefit so much from the way the team uh-huh. plays in front of them. And you know, and, and that's the other thing. There's, there's, you look at, you know, it's less so this season with a guy like Shostakin because the Rangers are better in front that's better defensively this season than they were a year ago. But sometimes a guy gets a lot of wear and tear. A goalie can get a lot of wear and tear on him because the team is making him make these 10 bell saves all the time. And, you know, he's got to cover up a lot of mistakes. That's not the case with Varlamov and Sorokin. So these two guys are probably going to be fresh too. And the Islanders are going on the playoffs and they just got to make their goalie situation work the rest of the way and then see who's going to be the guy in the playoffs. My guess right now is it would be Barlamo based on history and experience, but you never know what the race of Rokin's going. Uh, I asked you about the Rangers trade deadline coming up, and you said, eh, I don't know about that. Islanders feels different. Feels like they're going to add different. at the deadline, right? Yeah, well, with the injury to Andrews Lee, that really set them on a path, I think, to add at the trade deadline because it opened up some salary cap space. They can put him on long-term injury reserve and go over the cap. Uh, by his amount, um, and they need that type of offensive replacement. I mean, Andrew Lee is a very, you know, he, he's a he's a unique player because he's a real power forward in a, in an NHL that's gotten a lot of speed and skill. And he goes to the front of the net. You know exactly where he's going to be. He's really good at tipping pucks, finding rebounds. Um, you know, if you looked at Andrew Lee's twelve goals this season, I would bet. You know, combined feet from from away from the net, it's probably at like 15 feet. You know, he's scoring all his goals from right in front of the net. Occasionally, he's got to, you know, take a shot from the outside. But that's a, it's a different type of player that you've got to find. And I don't know that the Rangers can necessarily, the Islanders can necessarily find that guy at the trade deadline, but they need to find a guy who is another player who could put the puck in the net because that to me is the thing that separates them from Washington, even Pittsburgh. Uh, even though they really do play well against Pittsburgh and, and even Boston, uh, is just that little extra depth scoring, that extra guy that you really got to be scared of. The Islanders play a terrific defensive game, a lockdown game, really good goaltending. 
But in, sometimes in the playoffs, you, just, you might have to score four to win. You know, or you, you need that third goal to win. And right now, they're, they're a two or three goal team sometimes, you know, is how I look at it. And they need a little bit more. And then Lee would give them a little bit more. And they don't have him, so you got to go out and replace him. Right, and, and they won't have him. Um, last one in the aisles. We'll switch to the Devils quickly, and then we'll say goodbye and thanks, as always, for the time. Um, is Barry Trotz the best coach in hockey right now? Because you'd be hard-pressed to, to, to find somebody better at this point, I would think. I, I mean, I think you certainly can make an argument for him. I, I, I would toss Rod Brindamore into that mix, too. He's terrific with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I know that John Cooper has a ton of talent there, but it's not always easy to coach talent up every single season and be right there every single season. And he's doing that with Tampa Bay. But the thing, the thing with Barry is it's about how he coaches. It's his system and how he tailors it to the players that he has and makes those players buy in. Nobody more, no better example than Matthew Barzell. When Matthew Barzell was a rookie and he was scoring everything under Doug Wade, he was playing zero defense and the team was awful. And he dropped his points since, and the team is so much better. And he is a dynamic offensive player still, but he's playing on both ends of the ice. It's the system that Barry Trotz has. He's a terrific coach. The team is tailored to his system. And uh, and they, they don't deviate. That's the, the one thing with the Islanders is, they're predictable, but they're predictable in a good way. You know, if you're Barry Trotz, you know exactly the type of game you're going to get from your team, and then you just need one or two extra plays to make it work for a win. And he always seemingly makes it work. He is Dan Rosen, NHL.com, yeah. joining us here on, on Crash the Net 98.7 ESPN. So walk me through the Devils. I mean, they're kind of a confounding team because they, they do have some young talent, but it feels like they're nowhere near competing for a playoff spot. So walk us through where we are and how far away you think as far as years are concerned for this team realistically competing for a spot in the postseason. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, not having Nico Hishier for a while this season hurt because they have really good young centers and Jackie's and Nico Hishier, but they need them both on the game. And Nico's been... Very, very injury-prone, obviously. Uh, they need him on the ice. I like Mackenzie Blackwood. I think Mackenzie Blackwood is a good goaltender that you can build your team around. You need to be better defensively. Um, like he's, not, he's not Marty Berdour, you know, by any stretch, but Marty had a great defense in front of him. It's part of the success of Marty Berdour and the Devils was the way they played in front of Marty Berdour, too. And, and then he was terrific behind that. Blackwood, you need a little bit better defense in front of them. And they're, they're still a ways away, I think. Um, and I think this season's proving that they're good, that they can be good, I should say, but they're going to have their hiccups uh, and they're very young and, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. And, you know, you saw them get off to a really good start where they were surprising teams and then they really struggled. And then they're back. They're playing okay again, you know, here and there. Um, they're not near the playoffs. They're not a playoff team. They're, they're not very good on the penalty kill. You know, that's been a problem for them. And they're young. They're young on the back end. They're young up front. They got a lot of guys who don't have a ton of experience and really other than Hughes and, and he's here, a lot of guys who didn't come in with a great pedigree either. So they're trying to work all these guys together. I like some of the pieces there. They're kind of where I thought they would be this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're there in the same spot next season. This is more of a three- or four-year plan, I think, with Tom Fitzgerald and, and Lindy Ruff as the coach there. So it's going to take some time, but they have good young pieces that you can build around, and they're not mortgaging the future on some you know veteran guy. You're like, 
who's just going to come and, you know, they won't be a playoff team with him anyway. You know what I mean? Gotcha. All right, Dan, listen, great stuff. Greatly appreciate it. You uh, precede the great Kenny Albert, who's going to join us in just a moment here. So uh, have a great weekend, and I hope we get to uh, catch up at some point soon. And certainly on the diamond. That's that's yeah, a yeah. necessity. That would be fantastic. And uh, Kenny Albert, he's got about seven more jobs than I have, I think. You know, I mean, the guy, yes. the guy never stops working. He, he has seven more jobs working. than everybody has. Dan, great stuff. Thanks so much. Uh, I'll talk to you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, absolutely. All right, that's Dan Rosen, NHL.com. Kenny Albert on his beginnings and where he is now with all those jobs. It's next right here. Crash the Net, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. And a big thanks to Dan Rosen, NHL.com, who joined us just moments ago. And now we bring in, I mean, if I went through everything he does, we'd be here for the next hour and a half listing off this and this and this and this. So just to, to save time, we'll say Voice of the Rangers here on 98.7 ESPN. And that is the one and only Kenny Albert. Good morning, Kenny. How are you? I'm great, Dave. How are you? I, I am well. Really appreciate a couple minutes. And, and my thought was this. Rather than sit here and break down the Rangers and the trade deadline, because we just kind of did that with Dan, you know, people like you and they know you and they feel that it's a connection to you because you call everything, every sport, all these games. Like kind of your journey and how you wound up where you are right now. Well, it really started, Dave, back in the early 70s when I received a tape recorder for my birthday when I was five or six years old and um, obviously grew up around sportscasting with my father and my two uncles and it's really all I ever wanted to do I set up my bedroom uh, like a TV or radio studio I had the desk and then the bed in the middle and the TV on the other side and I would call games off the television and it's ironic now I've spent so much time with Dave Maloney uh, at the 98.7 studios calling Ranger away games this year off monitors due to the fact that we're not traveling so it's really brought me back to my childhood I hadn't called games off off a monitor in a long time. So uh, it's sort of come full circle about 45 years later. But um, it was never pressured, was never forced to go into, into play-by-play. It's, it's, it was really something I loved from an early age. And I was real fortunate in high school. Um, I grew up on Long Island. I went to Schreiber High School in Port Washington. And I covered the uh, sporting events for the school newspaper and for the town newspaper at the time. So I was always around the gym, the baseball field, the football field, the soccer field. And when I was in 10th grade, uh, Cox Cable of Great Neck happened to show up <laughs> at my high school to film a girls' basketball game. They had two cameras, no announcers. Um, it was a really low-budget operation. And I met the producer. I was there to cover the game for the newspaper. And uh, the late Roy Menton gave me an unbelievable opportunity uh, to call that game, he clipped a microphone onto my shirt, and I sat in the second row, and I did the play-by-play, and everyone sitting around me probably thought I was crazy talking to myself. And over the next two and a half years, um, had the opportunity to call probably over 100 games in all sports, uh, all over Long Island, uh, high school and some college games, basketball, hockey, baseball, football, lacrosse, soccer. And it was such a, an invaluable experience because back then in the 80s, in the mid-80s, um, any any kid at the time who wanted to get into sportscasting or play-by-play, you never had the opportunity until college. That's a lot different these days with all kinds of sportscasting camps in the summer and, and high school programs. But back then I felt like I had a, a three-year head start on anybody else who wanted to get into it. 
Um, went to school at NYU, called men's and women's basketball, and again, an unbelievable opportunity to work on some Islanders pre- and post-game shows, and that led to a fill-in play-by-play position. I worked four games, believe it or not, my senior year of college uh, for the Islanders, and I was able to use those tapes uh, to send around to minor league teams, and I was hired by the Baltimore Skipjacks of the American Hockey League back in 1990. They were the Washington Capitals affiliate. Normally, uh, you know, people my age at the time would try and get the minor league job and then use that to springboard into a possible NHL opportunity. But with me, it was sort of the reverse. I had the NHL tape from those three or four Islander games, and I was able to use that to get the job in Baltimore. Spent two years there. It was an incredible experience, um, calling 80 games a year, getting reps, traveling around on the bus with the team, uh, six, eight, ten-hour bus rides. But looking back, I wouldn't have traded in those two years for anything. Now, I've heard this, and tell me if this is true, that when you were with the Skipjacks, that you were roommates with Barry Trotz? I could be so off base or that could be accurate. Clarify that for me, please. That is totally accurate. Um, I was 22 years old when I was hired by the Skipjacks in June of 1990. And I'll never forget during that summer. So I was hired as the radio broadcaster, but you basically did everything in the in the team office, whatever they needed, sales, marketing, public relations, uh, pick a player up at the airport, drive a player up to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, you did it all. We had seven or eight people in the, in the team office at the time, and everybody chipped in. And at a, at a barbecue that summer, I met Barry Trotz for the first time, who had just been hired as the assistant coach. Uh, Rob Laird was the head coach who went on to a – uh, long career coaching in the minor leagues, was an assistant with the Capitals and was a scout with the L.A. Kings, uh, still is to this day. He won a couple of Stanley Cup rings with L.A. So Barry was the assistant coach, and to save money at that level, uh, some teams would have the radio guy room with the bus driver on the road, but with the skipjacks, it was the radio guy and the assistant coach. So Barry Trotz and I were roommates for two seasons. Um, even when he took over as the head coach in February of '92. I'll never forget. He said to me, we can't break the karma. We have to still room together for the rest of the season. Um, so many uh, great memories. You know, when I think back, um, you know, we would arrive in, in, in these cities at 2 or 3 in the morning. We'd play a home game on a Friday night, get on the bus. You'd have some Italian food waiting for you at your seat. Um, it was myself, two coaches, the trainer, the equipment manager, and the players. That was it. And we would go, you know, to Utica, to Binghamton, to Springfield, Massachusetts, New Haven. You'd get in at 3 or 4 in the morning, and uh, Barry and I would head to our room and, uh, you know, go to sleep for a couple hours, and we'd be back up the next morning for the, for the practice or the morning skate, and then a game the following night, then another bus ride after the game Saturday, either back home or to another city. Um, but a couple of stories stand out that uh, we both still like to share uh, whenever I see Barry, and unfortunately I haven't seen him in person this year due to the pandemic, but in prior years, whenever I would work a Nashville game or a Capitals game or an Islanders game, uh, you know, we would always try and spend some time together. Uh, had lunch with him a couple of times in Nashville on a game day when, when the Rangers were in town. Um, you know, the, the, the story that he loves sharing 30 years later is the fake arrest that he set up of me. Um, up in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Oh, I got to uh, hear this. Everyone's got to hear this. It's probably too long to 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 you know give you all the all the details, but basically, I did a pregame radio interview uh, before every game. I would tape it with either Rob Laird, the head coach, or with Barry Trotz, 
And before one game uh, early in the 91-92 season, I taped the interview with Barry, and he said something that just didn't come out right. Uh, he either flubbed a word, he said something that came out pretty funny. I didn't use it on the air. We restarted the interview, but I made the mistake of playing that tape for some of the players on the bus after the game. And the word, the word got back to Barry, and uh, he said to me the next day, I'm going to get you back for this. And sure enough, about four months later, uh, the only time that we would fly all year, uh, it was usually bus trips, but we would fly up to the maritime provinces in, in eastern Canada, and we would play six or eight games in, in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland. There were five or six teams up there, and we would uh, you know, fly up and, and play games for 10 days and then fly back home. So we took three flights. We went from Baltimore to Boston to Halifax, Nova Scotia, to Sydney, Nova Scotia. It was a long day, small planes. And, and we had been told at the airport in Baltimore that a lot of our personal luggage would probably not make it all the way to Sydney, Nova Scotia that day because the hockey equipment took priority. Uh, on these regional jets, there was barely room for the, the 20 hockey bags and the sticks, but that took priority. So our luggage was going to be delayed. So we land in the late afternoon in, in Sydney, Nova Scotia, at this small airport. Uh, we exit the plane onto the tarmac. We walk down the steps of the plane, and uh, there's a gentleman with a clipboard at the bottom, and he has my name. He says, is this, is this you? And uh, I, I said it was, and he asked me to uh, accompany him inside the small <laughs> airport. And they start asking me all kinds of questions. Is your passport valid? Have you ever been arrested? Uh, do you know anyone that's in trouble? They subsequently put me into a, an unmarked car. Now, I knew I wasn't being kidnapped because there, was, uh, there were computers up front. It was, an, it was an official police car, but it was unmarked on the outside. And the two gentlemen start driving me around, and, and they continue to ask about 20 questions. And I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I didn't realize at the time it was a prank. I knew that I hadn't done anything uh, to warrant an arrest. And finally, they pull up to what looked like the team hotel, and the last question was, uh, do you know Jim Weisman? Jim was the Washington Capitals director of security at the time, who we all knew. Um, he just passed away, actually, about a month ago. His brother, it turns out, was the, the chief of police in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And uh, Barry would set up a prank every year, uh, whether it was a broadcaster, a trainer, a player. So it was my turn that year, and uh, he still likes to tell people the story 30 years later. Yeah, I, I would tell that story forever as well if I got someone to that extent. He is Kenny Albert, voice of the Rangers, uh, NFL, you know, NBA, Major League Baseball. But we, we call him the voice of the Rangers on, on Crash Senate here on 9870 ESPN. Kenny, I get this all the time, and I'm sure you probably get it as much if not more than me, and that is young, young kids, you know, young people in their teens or early 20s. I want to do what you do. I want to be a sports talk show host, or I want to do what you do. I want to be a play-by-play -play voice. I always tell them the same thing, and I want your take on this as well. I always tell them, and it sounds like this is a big thing for you, just get reps. I don't care if you sit there in your living room and you do the game. I don't care if you sit there as you're driving the car and you, you pretend that you're doing a talk show. Just get reps. In turn, get reps and make yourself really, really busy with learning your craft. But what, what do you say to young people that, that approach you for advice and want to know about this industry? The same exact thing you say. Uh, that's the most important thing, get reps. And again, I was lucky enough during my high school years to get the reps with Cox Cable and then at WNYU, uh, the radio station, during my college days, I would bring the tape recorder to Madison Square Garden, Nassau Coliseum, Shea Stadium. 
I would listen back to my tapes uh, with the skipjacks a year or two later, and I couldn't believe it was the same person because you just get better with each and every rep. And I speak at a lot of the sportscasting camps uh, in the summers, um, uh, whether it's uh, Jeremy Treatment out of Philadelphia, the play-by-play camps. Uh, Ian Eagle and Bruce Beck had a camp for many years. Uh, there's a great sportscasting program out at Hofstra. And for 15 or 20 years, I, I've spoken to the kids, the high school and college-age students, and uh, that's the number one thing. Just get reps, uh, even if it's not the exact area that uh, you're looking to go into. You know, if it's play-by-play, that's your passion, uh, but you're offered an opportunity to do studio work or sideline reporting or even reporting for a newspaper or a website. Uh, the more reps you get in all areas, uh, it, it can only help. And, and the other thing that I always uh, tell the youngsters, Dave, is, is preparation. That's the number one thing that I learned as a youngster was you can never be overprepared. I probably, uh, you know, spend so many extra hours for each broadcast, whether it's TV, radio, no matter the sport, uh, preparing uh, just in case. You never know uh, which player might have a big game or what prior game you might have to refer to. And you only wind up using about 10% of your information, maybe not even that much during the course of a given broadcast, but uh, you have to be ready for all situations. And and that was something that was ingrained in me at a very young age. Yeah, well, you certainly had good uh, good people, role models to learn from. La- last one, Kenny. Um, is there a game, because you've called so many games in all the different sports, is there one game or one moment or, or one thing that stands out to you as like, God, I can't believe I called that? There are probably four or five that, that stand out above all others. Um, I was working for NHL Radio, uh, the 94 series, the Rangers-Canucks, um, I was working down in Washington at the time. I called the Capitals games on TV for three years before I moved back up to New York uh, with, with the Rangers and MSG. Um, but I had an unbelievable opportunity to uh, call the 94 series. So the night the Rangers won the Cup, June 14, 1994, is certainly up uh, towards the top of my list. Um, the 2018 uh, Women's Olympic Hockey gold medal game in Pyeongchang. Uh, I called that one with A.J. Malesko and Pierre Maguire. U.S. won the game in a shootout. So uh, that's, that's certainly up there as well. Uh, the Rangers run to the Stanley Cup final in 2014, winning game six at home against uh, Montreal to advance to the final. And then uh, in the other sports, in the NFL, um, I called five divisional playoff games, uh, called the Super Bowl world feed. It wasn't on in the United States, but it was the international feed, which went to... Uh, uh, you know, over 100 other countries. It was this Giants-Patriots Super Bowl 46. I had the Giants-Jets game, the Victor Cruz uh, 99-yard touchdown reception from Eli Manning back in December 2011. Uh, in baseball, uh, the Jose Bautista home run 2015, uh, Blue Jays and Texas Rangers, and the bat flip, which uh, is still talked about to this day, especially north of the border. And just having the opportunity to work uh, 15 or 20 Knicks games every year with Walt Clyde Frazier. Uh, that's that's still a big thrill as well. Wow. So, so uh, needless to say, you've had your, your fill of great moments um, behind the microphone. Kenny, we appreciate you taking a couple minutes with us today. Um, continued success. I don't need to wish you luck because you you've, have a great career, but continued success. And I'll see you at the Garden soon, I hope. I hope it's not too much longer. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Well, look forward to seeing you soon, Dave. Uh, really appreciate this and uh, hope you and all the listeners are healthy and safe and hope to see you soon for sure well thanks so much to kenny albert such, such a great play-by-play voice and the amount of places that he works at are really unbelievable the amount of sports he covers are, are remarkable and he's a, a better guy than he is a a great 
um, radio voice. But let's take a quick break. Come back. It's Crash the Net. We will look at the Islanders. We'll look at the Rangers. We'll look at the Devils and the week ahead with the three locals. We'll do it next. It's Rothenberg with you. Crash the Net. Saturday morning, 9870 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. It's a Saturday staple. Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Crash the Net. We love the underscores here. Crash the Net underscore 987 on Twitter. Crash the Net underscore radio on Instagram. If you follow us now, there's a decent chance you're going to win a, a puck signed by an Islanders player. All right. Uh, the schedule this week, you want to know. Uh, Islanders playing really well. Rangers playing really well uh, also. So Rangers in action later today, 1230, back in Philadelphia again. And you can hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, tomorrow, busy weekend for the Blue Shirts. Tomorrow, a morning start, 1130 in Washington, also right here on 98.7 Tuesday, next up for the Rangers, same opponent, different venue. Rangers and Capitals at the Garden, 6.30 start right here on 98.7 ESPN. And then, well, you look at the week and you say the one game you have to win and you should win and you better win Thursday in Buffalo, uh, 6.30 start right here on 98.7 ESPN. So it's two uh, against the Capitals, that's in the middle, but they start out today against Philly and then end the week uh, against Buffalo. As far as the Islanders are concerned, Islanders tonight in Pittsburgh, getting familiar with the Penguins, 6.30. You can catch that game on 10.50 a.m. Then the Islanders are off on Sunday this week and back at it Monday in Pittsburgh yet again. And same venue, same time, same everything, 6.30 against the Penguins also on 10.50 a.m. And the, the locals are going to be very familiar with Washington this week because the Rangers have the Capitals a couple times and the Islanders uh, get them after Thursday uh, at the Coliseum. Islanders hosting the Capitals that game also at 6.30 on 10.50 a.m. So that's the Rangers. That's the Islanders. Devils, what does their week look like? It looks like this. Tomorrow, Sunday uh, early evening, 5.30 at Boston. Uh, Devils will take on the Bruins again on Tuesday. That's also in Boston, that's a 7 o'clock uh, drop of the puck. And then the Devils off Wednesday, off Thursday, back at it Friday against the familiar foe. Everybody gets to play them this week, the Washington Capitals. That's Friday uh, in Jersey, 7 o'clock, Devils taking on the Caps. So there you have it. I mean, we've done everything we wanted to do today. We recapped where we were. We talked to Dan Rosen about the locals. We, we talked to the great Kenny Albert about, you know, broadcasting and tips there and all sorts of interesting stuff. And then we uh, we look ahead uh, to the week coming up for the locals around the NHL. Follow us. Social media, big presence on the show. Crash the net underscore 987. Instagram, crash the net underscore radio. And just know that we adore, we love the underscores here at 98.7. Uh, thanks go out to coordinating producer Andy from Merrick, to Anthony Pusick, to Ray Dinahan as well. All right, Joe Wiz coming your way. I'm back at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning. This has been Crash the Net on 98.7.
ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Crash the Net podcast with Dave Rothenberg. Listen live Saturdays at 7 a.m. on 98.7 ESPN.